Coming to you from a library basement at Georgetown University, it's Kevin and Zach. And this is CCT, the groundbreaking podcast by Novus, the academic journal of the CCT program on campus. We'll be discussing issues relevant to communication, culture, and technology. Welcome back from winter break, everybody. We hope you all had a relaxing and enjoyable holiday season. We're kicking off the new semester with an exciting topic today, media, memory making, and place. If you did any traveling over the break, did you take photos of the places you went? If you went back to your hometown, did you take photos of places you've already been? As we already know, we cannot access the past through any unmediated form. So how do certain factors like camera phones, social media check-ins, and other forms of locative media affect our development of memories, nostalgia, and even our sense of self? Today, the tea will tell. Uh, So I did a presentation about this topic of media, memory-making, and place uh, last month, and it was over a research paper that I found. Um, The research was done by Didem Oskul and Lee Humphreys. It was published in Mobile Media and Communication, uh, the academic journal, in January of 2015. And the title was Memory and Meaning-Making Practices Through Mobile Media. And basically, they did this qualitative research study on how we develop our sense of place and memories through photos and through like social media check-ins. Um, this was in 2015, and so they used um, Foursquare. Have Love you ever? That. Yeah, they used. I don't know if there's a difference between Foursquare and Foursquare Mayors, but they used Foursquare Mayors, which, from my understanding, I never used it. But from what I could gather in the paper. It's like a similar thing. You go somewhere, check in, and whoever checks in the most at a certain place over a certain amount of time gets dubbed like the mayor of that place. And I guess it resets every month or something, and you can try to become the mayor of like everywhere. In your I town hate that something. I'm like already into this. <laughs> I'm like gonna do. They, is this still a thing? Maybe you could probably become the mayor of everywhere in DC. Be the mayor of every it. Starbucks in Washington DC. There you go. Make that your mission. But it was a fascinating paper, um, and will be most of the content that we discuss in this episode. Uh, So one of the kind of overall quotes that jumped out and summed up kind of what they talked about was, the advent of digital media opened up new ways not only for storing, archiving, and sharing our experiences, but they also changed how we remember and exercise things in the past. Uh, And that was really powerful. And like I said, I I presented on this... um, last month before semester break and it stuck with me over the break while I went back home uh, to Missouri and I found myself in my hometown going to old restaurants, parks, movie theaters, whatever, uh, meeting up with friends and stuff and feeling compelled to like take pictures of these places for whatever reason. I had been there dozens of times before, I knew what they looked like but I felt like I needed to capture that. I don't even know if I wanted to capture the place as much as I wanted to capture the moment of being there again. Um, and even in some cases broadcasting that, like putting it on Snapchat or putting it on you know, social media of some kind. Uh, and it really like made me think a lot about how we form memories and our, like, even a continuous sense of self around these like, photos we take and social media posts and updates that we do. Yeah, so I think that I I get why you did that because I did that as well. Like when I was home over break, I took 
so many photos of like my family and like my dog um, as if I don't already have like 800 <laughs> of the same photos of my dog Kuvira. Uh, shout out Kuvira if you're listening. Bark twice if you're in Milwaukee. But to me, I think it's because I have this habit of just like going through my camera roll. I will just sit and like relive my life through screenshots and pictures that I have on my camera roll. And sometimes like if I go somewhere or like if I do something that is like, that feels air quotes big, like traveling at all, it's like, oh, I'll like, I'll like want to have this be part of the narrative that exists for myself in my camera roll. And that way it like makes a digestible narrative of your life. Yeah, and to kind of piggyback off of that, it does make it a really nice way to archive your memories in like a space that you can access at the drop of a hat, right? Like if I asked you right now, like, what were you doing in February of 2016? Give me a date. <laughs> you probably couldn't do that off top, but if you jump in your phone, you can just scroll to February 2016 and be like, oh, I was here, and then I went here, whatever. And I'm, it's very easy to... Are you doing it? I'm That's, scrolling okay. right now. Where, where were you? What was Kevin up to in February, February 2016? 2016? Do you have a specific date in mind? Uh, no. How about the 20th? Let's see. Do you have, like, a photo for every date of February in 2016? February 20th. I was at a Cayo Social oh. uh, in Columbia, Missouri. I was someone's date. Shout out, Columbia, Missouri. Go Tigers. Yeah, woo, 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 woo. Yeah, so there you go. I couldn't just bring that up. And now I can, I'm like reliving the night in my head as we speak. Pretty powerful stuff, huh? Yeah. But again, when I first said that, you wouldn't have been able to just jump to that, right? No, I was like, I don't, where was I living? I don't, Yeah. I have no idea even. Exactly. We rely so much on our phones to just like, what's the word, chronicle our like doings and goings. Uh, on a day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year basis uh, because it's so easy now to just go back and be like, oh yeah, this is what I was doing then. And it kind of helps you figure out where you've been and how you got to where you are. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, a, so I think obviously, <laughs> whoa, hot take incoming. Um, <laughs> there are goods and bads about this. Pros and cons, if you will. Shocked. That's a concept I just came up with, uh, pros and cons. Oh, but even my pro that I have, I think, has some cons. So, before I start talking, I'm gonna, like, uh, spoiler warning, I'm about to talk about Fortnite. <laughs> um, I've never played Fortnite, so d- am I qualified to talk about Fortnite? Not at all. No, absolutely not. Sh- do I want to play Fortnite? Yeah, but I'm, like, kind of afraid I'd be, like, sucked into it and... Never escape. Yeah. Um, so, in Fortnite, there's, there's this item that I think is called slurp juice. I'm not positive. Uh, The fact checkers will will be after you. Yeah, they'll be after me for that one. Um, But it's like this item that you can, you drink it, and then you have shields, and you're safer. Uh, This is all to say that, like, sometimes when I'm, like, in a bad mood, or I'm feeling sad, or I just moved someplace and I don't have any friends, um, I'll like 
go through my camera roll and be like, oh, here's times where I like existed and like found community. And it reminds me of like the past selves that I was that I can be in the future. Um, and to bring this back to Fortnite, it's like my camera roll is my slurp juice <laughs> and I can just access it at any time and let it shield me from the like things that I'm not happy with in my own life. Temporality of the present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have to. The present? Never heard of her. <laughs> I can just live in the past. Yeah. When I think it's, it does feel sort of like a, it's a sense of reassurance, right? It is kind of nice to have that, that metaphorical slurp juice on hand. Yeah. God, we love slurp juice. <laughs> um, but it also, so like, that was actually my pro. Um, which it kind of felt like a con towards the end. I don't know. It's it's a mixed bag. That one's a mixed bag. Pro, great, makes you feel comfortable. Con, maybe you're not like giving your all into the present because you're focused on the past. Mm. But anyway, here's my actual con. <laughs> this one is just a con. So in addition to like taking photos and videos to like form memories, um, I take a lot of screenshots of like social media and text interactions that I think are like positive or that like <laughs> are just compliments to me because it's like, oh, hell yeah, validation. <laughs> it's me slurping up the validation. Um, but now it's like when I look back at those, sometimes it's with people who like I might have had a falling out with or. Um, like I don't understand the context or like why this like certain text or like person interacting with me on social media made me feel good. So I just have like these folders and like stacks of screenshots just all around my house, my digital house, um, that are just like reminding me of, of people that I once was that now I don't feel like I am anymore. Um, but I also don't want to get rid of them because I don't want to reject any aspects of my past. Hmm. So I'm like, uh, who am I? That is tricky. I guess in one sense it kind of shows you your growth over the years. Um, but it would be hard to get rid of that because of the sen sentimental value that it carried at least at some point. Because um, I also nowadays will look back, and it's not usually the case within like maybe the last year or two, but dating back further than that, I'll have similar things where it's like a screenshot or just like a random weird picture that I remember had significance to me at some point, but over the years that kind of just fades into obscurity. And without that context, it's just like, oh, why did I take this? I remember there's something to do with it, but. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure why. Um, and then it's like... It can be frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating, one, because it's like, oh, my house is a mess. It's frustrating, two, because it's like, have I lost touch with something that once brought me joy or emotion? Hmm. I, I think I only have two reasons. <laughs> but those those are pretty, two, pretty strong reasons, yeah. though. Uh, and valid, like, concerns. But I was just reading an article about how... Uh, a study recently came out that said that digital clutter had a similar effect um, on people's anxiety and well-being as physical clutter and 
it makes people anxious and um, less happy. Yeah, I mean, when I see people open their like computers and their entire desktop is just like filled with stuff, it like makes me have a small heart attack. Oh, um, yeah, for like emails, like if a professor opens their email real quick and you see they have like a thousand unread emails, it's just like, <sighs> it's like unsubscribe. Yeah, I can't, I can't handle this. You need to like put this away because I'm anxious for you. Um, so, yeah, I could definitely see that we have like digital hoarders now that they'll probably make a TV show about it in the next oh my God. five years or so. Genius. Cut this part out. <laughs> this is this is how we're we saving it. this to patent. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, be, even like, so I'm like pretty organized with my clutter, but it still stresses me out because it's like, I have so much content. Yeah. Like, Zach, how many, wait, I'm going to be like, Zach, how many, how many photos? Steps yeah, how many steps do you have? <laughs> hey, really fast. Um, that's a throwback to our past episode. Please catch up with the backlog if you haven't. Um, how many photos do you think you have on your camera roll? Because I was curious if I like, had a lot or like what was normal oh yeah 1410 i have 5735 oh wow this is also like i got this phone right before i got to dc okay so it's and my other one like got wiped out oh which i will talk about in a bit because do you want to talk about that now because i don't know what i would do yeah so moved to dc to come to georgetown in 2017 and at the time, I was living in Portland, Oregon, which is very far away from Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. So made the cross-country road trip over that summer of 2017 to come out here. And I flew my brother out to Portland to, like, help me drive back, like, take shifts or whatever. And, you know, we, like, mapped out our whole trip so we could go, like, through the Columbia River Gorge in Oregon and then, like, come down through Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons and then, like, all this stuff. And so... We drove through Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons like in a day, stopped off like at Old Faithful, the geyser, and like took a bunch of pictures on the side of the roads and did like little mini hikes up to waterfalls to take pictures and stuff. So I took a bunch of photos and it's one of the most spectacular places in the world. It reminded me of like Lord of the Rings or something. It's just like beautiful cliffs and rolling hills and waterfalls and stuff like that. Um, but we were supposed to meet my friend in, it was actually outside of Denver, it was in uh, Dillon, Colorado, a little bit west. So we were coming down like through these back road, Rocky Mountain streets, and I had my phone plugged in to the radio and had like the map on it. And my brother, Joe, if he's listening, about to drag him a little bit, drag uh, him. <laughs> was looking at the map just to like see how much longer we had or something. And he sets the phone down inside of a cup that was in a cup holder that had like <laughs> melted ice and soda at the bottom of it. And the music stopped and I was like, oh, I wonder what happened. And yeah, it turned out that he like had destroyed my phone. phone. Yeah. And crazy twist of the story, he broke his phone right before flying out. So neither of us had a phone and it was like 11 p.m and we were on like deer infested Rocky Mountain roads. Anyways, survived, I'm here, we made it, without technology, shockingly enough. Um, I would fully be dead. <laughs> I kind of had a moment where I was like, oh, this is it, we're just gonna die out here in the wilderness. Um, but we, we made it work. Uh, 
But moral of the story, lost all of my photos from Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons. And as a result of that, I feel like my memories of that area are fragmented because I had uploaded a couple to like Snapchat um, before my phone broke. And so like Snapchat kept them and like saved them up in the Snapchat cloud or whatever. Um, and so I can revisit those, but they were mostly just like old faithful guys or like early in the morning of the day. And so, you know, there's like 12 hours of just unaccounted for stuff. I mean, I think I, I relied so much on my camera to capture those memories for me that I didn't soak up all of the wonderment that that those views had to offer because I was like, oh, I can just revisit this whenever I want to after the fact. Mm -hmm. It feels like dueling memories. Like, do you feel like some dissonance when you think about? Yeah, a little bit. It was like a hole in my my personal timeline. Yeah. Because everything is so well chronicled, um, you know, I have photos of the days and weeks before that that event and then I have photos starting like a week or two after that when I was able to get a new phone mm -hmm. but there's just a time and space of my life now that's really hard to recollect what exactly I was doing because I don't have like physical manifestations of those memories yeah it's like that whole thing that people say to like make fun of millennials about like oh, if you like got a avocado toast and didn't take a photo of it did you ever really have it um, but it's like, no, I, I, I didn't fully experience it because it's not, it's not captured. Yeah, there's a, a quote from the paper actually that kind of touches on it that says, sometimes memories of places on mobile media are quite utilitarian and functional. In these cases, place and memory become inexorably tied as places stand in for activities. So while yes, like taking a photo of your avocado toast or, you know, your lasagna dinner is, like, kind of boring in the short term, it does kind of allow you to look back on that and be like, oh, yeah, I remember I made that avocado toast with my friend who was visiting from somewhere else, and we, you know, did other stuff that day. And, like, the, those small little pieces of those experiences kind of help trigger the rest of the memories that are associated with them. And so I think that can be really powerful as a recollection tool. Yeah, definitely. Even if it's mundane and annoying on social media on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm just, like, itching to go through my camera roll right now. <laughs> to relive the last few years. Yeah. You know what would have solved your issues, Zach? What's that? If you had paid for iCloud storage. Ah, I did start paying for it after the fact. <laughs> yeah. But were... it, hadn't, it hadn't backed up in the time that I had taken the pictures from when it was destroyed. So... I think it's super interesting and also kind of, like, scary to depend on, like, big corporate cloud storage services to store, organize, and display, like, your dearest memories. Um, like, the act of using media to bring up memories is not, like, a new phenomenon we've been doing that since like cave paintings yeah um but i think that with like cloud storage services it's the first time that you're kind of sharing the control over your mediated memories with another party unless you had like a shared diary with like 
your right, best a, friends. A party that you're unfamiliar with or like mm-hmm. don't actually know personally. Yeah, that you like have to, and that there's like a dynamic that you have to pay them to access your memories. Scary thought. Yeah, it's it's kind of scary to think about how that power dynamic plays out. Yeah, it's it, it it is troubling, and I think we're going to see more issues around that come out in the next five to ten years when people start to understand more about like what cloud storage is exactly, who has access to it, what they do with all of that information, um, you know, things like that, and even like what happens to that information when we die. Uh, because everyone dies. Everyone does die at some point. Um, but, you know, when when is that information forgotten? When we die, does our stuff just stay in iCloud at the disposal of Apple forever? And they can just use our memories to make, like, kitschy iPhone commercials in 10 years? That, I think, will, will become increasingly... Uh, problematic going forward Um, because right now most of the people using iCloud storage are fairly young Um, I thought you were going to say alive that's like yeah probably like 70% yeah mostly alive Um, but as you know that first wave of like digital immigrant slash digital natives uh, start to like enter old age and start dying off there's just going to be like a huge surplus of data and mediated content floating around in the cloud Mm -hmm. and what do they do with it does it get deleted after some time i don't know but i think the more that we rely on these kinds of technologies to remember things the less responsibility that we give ourselves to actually recall that stuff Mm -hmm. Um, and that is concerning to me as well because it is just so easy to dump stuff on the cloud and dump stuff into our camera rolls and you know post stuff to social media but I think it does kind of offload the responsibility of like taking time to reflect on the situations and you know really commit it to our memories because it's like oh we can always revisit it whenever we want to yeah cognitive offloading yeah in the same sense that we don't really have to rely on other people to know things. Like, if I... Like, if I didn't know how to cook an egg, I don't have to be like, oh, who do I know that knows how to cook eggs? Oh, Zach. Okay, I'll call Zach really fast. He'll tell me how to cook eggs. Um, I can just Google how to cook an egg. And in the same way, like... I don't have to count on anybody else to remember anything. I can just create my own, like, memory narrative. Personal narrative. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to be like, oh, hey, Zach, do you remember that time that we cooked eggs? And be like, oh, wait, I took a photo. Let me share that instead. Yeah, I think it, it kind of brings life to the term, like, a picture's worth a thousand words, because in the past, people would write down their experiences, and in doing so, you have time to reflect and you know choose the words you want to include and the the descriptors you want to include and all of that which helps i think solidify things in our long-term memory Mm -hmm. versus now it's just so much easier to snap a picture and that captures a lot of what you could describe in a two-page 
diary entry or something. Uh, but it also just doesn't give us time to like think about where we are, mm -hmm. why we're there, why we're capturing the moment even. It's just like, that was easy. There it is. Yeah, and I also think that it's like less temporally grounded. When you have photos of specific times of your life, you kind of like project your own vantage point, like of, of the now onto the past. So you could like tell yourself like, oh, I was feeling like this in that photo, or I, I like had these thoughts during that time of my life. Um, but then like when I look at writing that I've done in the past, I'm like, oh wow, I was like an entirely different person. Um, and I can't project my own current opinions onto my writing as much hmm. as I can on photos. Yeah, the uh, going back to the paper, they made a statement that said, uh, values, memories, dreams, and anxieties are affective states that sculpt the experience of a place. Thus, we come to know what we are now in terms of where we were then, um, which kind of goes back to what you were saying. You can look at a photo and kind of recall like, oh, I was feeling like really anxious at that time, or, you know, I was uh, feeling really hopeful about like what the future had in store, like little did I know, like this is where I would end up. Um, little did I know the deer were waiting to attack. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I think that is what makes it so special to us on an individual basis. Whereas if I look through your photos, I'm sure there's plenty of like cute dog photos and cool pictures in there, but there would be probably more than half of them that I'd be like, okay, I don't, I don't get this. This doesn't mean anything to me. But for you, those photos hold some kind of sentimental, recollective value, uh, which I think is why we're so inclined to capture everything. Also, isn't it interesting that on the topic of like nostalgia, which also drives like a lot of this stuff, as we've been talking about. It blew my mind when the paper brought this up, but the object of nostalgia is the past. However, it's not a product of the past, it emerges in the present. So we can't actually, nostalgia doesn't exist in the past, it exists in the present, but its object is in the past. And that was kind of like a time wizardy, mind-bending yeah. thing for I me. I have always and will probably always be a time wizard. Um, so I think I view nostalgia as like different senses. Like I'll be like, oh, that that period of my life had like this flavor or smell is a really strong yeah, nostalgic smell, sense for me. It's like certain periods of your life have like feelings to them. And I guess I've never really thought that I don't think about those feelings when they're happening. I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. Yeah, it's it's something that hits you in the present and just like takes you back to a certain time. I get that a lot with, I get it with actually like music and with smells. So like I worked um, with a general contractor like in high school as a summer job doing like construction and landscaping and stuff. And to this day, if I smell like freshly cut grass or like freshly sawed wood, it just like brings me back to 17 year old Zach sweating in the hot Missouri sun doing that work, which like at the time, you know, I probably complained about it a lot because I was 17 and like outside and doing hard work. But it also was like a really powerful 
developmental experience for me. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that brings about, like, really strong feelings of nostalgia when I smell those. And with music, like, I'll hear an, a song or an album, and, you know, if it was something that I really got into when it first came out or when I first discovered it, I'll, like, zap back to that time and place when I was, like, really about it. And and I'll, I'll hear or feel that every time the song comes on now, which is also, I think, really kind of a cool experience. We're all just time travelers. Yeah, we're trying to be, at least. I... <laughs> You're a time wizard. Yeah, we can't all be time wizards. I know. That's who I am, though. All right, listeners. Well, my tea is starting to get a little bit cold. I think it's time for Kevin's cold take. What do you got for us, Kevin? Uh, it's all it's all fun and games that we're like talking about our lived memories and how we access them. Um, but one day, none of them will matter because everyone will die. Hmm. A morbid truth. You're not going to live forever. Come on, stupid luches. No one lives forever. No one. But with uh, advances in modern science, my high-level income, I mean, it's not crazy to think I can't live to be 245, maybe 300. Well, that's all we have for today, listeners. Thank you for bearing with us. If you would like to contribute suggestions or even be a feature on uh, our next show or future shows, please reach out to us. Our emails are in the description. Um, as well, uh, Novus is now accepting journal submissions and blog posts. So if you'd like to contribute to our academic journal, um, please go to novusjournal.org or feel free to send either Kevin or I an email and we'll get back with you. Thanks again for listening. This is Kevin and Zach signing off.